twilight of the gods nears. Brother will kill brother. Families will be sundered by murder. Four ages are afoot. An axe age, a sword age, where shields are cloven. A wind age, a wolf age, where the world falls. No one shall be spared. Welcome to Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion RPG podcast. Prepare for adventure. Down in the depths of the mountain, we dwarves spend our time forging powerful weapons, mining precious gems and metals, and feasting like kings. But after a day of digging for the next Arkenstone, this dwarf likes to come home to a package full of loot. Dungeon Crate is a monthly subscription box service forged specifically for RPG and tabletop gamers. Miniatures, dice, tokens, coins, maps, modules, terrain pieces, handcrafted items, RPG jewelry, and more are yours for only a few gold per month. You even get a digital crate along with a physical one as an added bonus. So are you brave enough to reward yourself with a dungeon crate? By Morden's beard, I hope so! DungeonCrate.com Let the adventure begin! Welcome back, fishermen. It is a beautiful day for fishing. It was on a day such as this that Thor went fishing for the Midgard Serpent. For long ago, midway between Nephilim and Musfelhelm lay Midgard, the home of men, its round disk everywhere encircled by the ocean, which perpetually rushed upon it gently in still summer afternoons, but with a terrible uproar in winter. Ages ago, when the Midgard Serpent had grown so vast that even the gods were afraid of him, Odin cast him into the sea, and he lay flat at the bottom of the ocean, grown to such monstrous size that his scaly length encircled the whole of the world, holding the end of his tail in his mouth. He sometimes lay motionless for weeks at a time, and looking across the water, no one would have dreamed that such a monster was asleep in its depths. But when the Midgard serpent was aroused, his wrath was terrible to behold. He lashed the oceans into great sheets of foam. He piled the waves mountain high. He dashed the spray into the very heavens and woe to the galleys that were sailing homeward at the time. And so it happened once that the gods were feasting with Aegir, the sea god, and the ale gave out, and Agar had no kettle in which to brew a new supply. Thor, said Agar, after he had thought a moment, will you get me a kettle? Thor was always ready for for any hard or dangerous thing. Of course I will, was his quick reply. Only tell me where to get one. That, however, was no easy thing to do. Kettles big enough to brew ale for Asgard were not to be picked up at a moment's notice. Everybody wanted more ale, but nobody 
could tell Thor where to find a kettle, until Tyr, the god of courage, spoke up. East of the rivers, Eleviar, lives my father, Hymir, who has a kettle miraculously strong and a mile deep. This was large enough for even the gods. Do you think we can get it? asked Thor, who always wanted to succeed in his undertakings. If we cannot get it by force, we can get it by stratagem, answered Tyr, and they started off at once. Thor taking the disguise of a young man, the goats drew them swiftly to Egil, with whom Thor left them while he and Tyr pushed to finish the journey afoot. It was rough and perilous traveling, but they reached Hymir's hall without incident, and there Tyr found his grandmother, a frightfully ugly giantess, and his mother, a wonderfully beautiful woman with fair hair and a face so radiant that the sun seemed to be always shining upon it. The latter advised them to hide under the great kettles in the hall, because when Hymir came home in bad temper, he was sometimes cruel to strangers. Late into the evening, Hymir came home from his fishing. A cold wind swept through the hall as he entered. His eyes were piercing as the stars on a winter's night and his beard was white with frost. I welcome you home, said Tyr's beautiful mother. Our son, for whom we have been looking so long, has come home, bringing with him the enemy of giants and the protector of Asgard. See how they hide themselves behind the pillar yonder? She pointed to the pillar at the farther end of the hall. Hymir turned and looked at it with his piercing, icy glance, and in an instant it snapped into a thousand pieces. The beam overhead broke, and eight kettles fell with a crash on the stone floor. Only one out of the eight remained unbroken, and from it Thor and Tyr came forth. Hymir was not glad to see Thor standing there under his own roof, but he could not turn him out. So he made the best of it and ordered three oxen to be served for summer. Thor had traveled the long distance and was very hungry, and ate two of the oxen before he was satisfied. If you eat like that, said Hymir, we will have to live on fish tomorrow. And early the next morning, before the sun was up, Thor heard Hymir getting ready for a day of fishing. He dressed himself quickly and went out to the giant. Good morning, Hymir, he said pleasantly. I'm fond of fishing. Let me row out to sea with you. Oh, answered the giant scornfully, not at all pleased with the idea of having his powerful enemy in the boat with him. Such a puny young fellow can be of no use to me. And if I go as far out to see as I generally do, and stay as long, you will catch cold that will be the death of you. But whoa, Thor was so angry at the insult that he wanted to let his hammer ring on the giant's head. But he wisely kept his temper. I will row as far from the land as you care to go, was his answer. And it is by no means certain that I shall be the first to want to put in again. What do you bait with? Find the bait yourself, was the giant's surly reply. Thor ran up to the herd of Hymir's cattle, 
seized the largest bull, wrung off its head without any trouble, and put it in the boat. Then they both pushed off and were soon rowing seaward. Thor rowed aft, and the boat fairly shot through the water. Hymir could pull a strong oar, but he had never seen such a stroke as Thor's before. The boat fairly trembled under the force of it. In a few moments they reached Hymir's fishing ground, and he called out to Thor to stop. Oh no, not yet, said Thor, bending steadily over his oars. We must go a good distance beyond this. And then Thor pulled with such tremendous power that they were soon far out to sea, and Hymir began to be frightened. If you don't stop, he called out, we shall be over the Midgard Serpent. <laughs> but lo, Thor paid no attention, but rode on until they were far, far out of sight of land, and about where he thought the great snake was coiled at the bottom of the sea. Then he laid down the oars as fresh and strong, apparently, as when he got into the boat. It was the strangest fishing party the world ever saw, and the most wonderful fishing. No sooner had Hymir's bait touched water than it was seized by two whales. Thor smiled quietly at the giant's luck, took out a fishing line made with wonderful skill and so strong that it, so strong that it could not be broken, fastened the bull's head upon the hook and cast it into the sea. The Midgard serpent instantly seized upon it, and in a second the hook was fast into its pallet. Then came a furious struggle between the strong god and the terrible monsters, and the terrible monster which was dread of the whole earth. Stung by the pain, the serpent withered. Stung by the pain, the serpent writhed. The serpent writhed and pulled so hard that Thor had to brace himself against the side of the boat. When he found the snake had taken his hook, his wrath rose and his divine strength came upon him. He pulled the line with such tremendous force that his feet went straight through the bottom of the boat. And he stood on the bed of the ocean while he drew the snake up to the side of the boat. The monster convulsed with pain, reared its terrible head out of the water, its glittering eyes flashing its whole vast body writhing and churning the ocean into a whirlpool of eddying foam. Thor's eyes blazed with wrath, and he held the serpent in a grasp like a vice. The uproar was a terrible storm, and the boat, the fisheries, and the snake were hidden by columns of foam that rose into the air. No one can tell what the end would have been if Hymir, trembling with fright and seeing the boat about to sink, had not sprung forward and cut the line just as Thor was raising his hammer to crush the serpent's head. The serpent's head. The snake sank at once to the bottom of the sea, and Thor, turning upon the giant, struck him with such a blow under the ear that he fell headlong into the water. The giant got back into the boat, however, and they rowed to land, taking the two whales with them. When they reached shore, Thor was still filled with deep, brooding rage at the meddlesome giant, because he had lost him the serpent, but he quietly picked up the boat and carried it home. 
Heimir taking the whales. Once more under his own roof, the giant's courage returned, and he challenged Thor to show his strength by breaking his drinking cup. Thor sat down, and taking the cup, hurled it against a pillar. It flew through the air, crashing against stone, bounded back, and was picked up as a whole and perfect as when it had come into Thor's hand. He was puzzled, but Tyr's beautiful fair-haired mother whispered to him, Throw it at Heimir's forehead. It is harder than any drinking cup. Thor drew in all his godlike strength and dashed the cup with a terrible effort at Heimir. The forehead was unharmed, but the cup was shattered into a thousand pieces over the floor. Heimir had lost a great treasure by the experiment, but he only said, That drink was too hot. Perhaps you will take the kettle off now, he added with a sneer. Tyr immediately laid hands on the kettle, but he could not move it an inch. Then Thor took the great pot in his hands and drew it up with such a mighty effort that his feet went through the stone floor of the hall, but he lifted it and placed it on his head like a mighty helmet, walked off, the rings of the kettle clinging about his feet. The two gods walked swiftly away from the hall, where so many troubles and labors had awaited them. And it was a long time before Thor turned to look back. When he did, it was not a moment too soon, for Hymir was close behind, with a multitude of multi-headed giants in hot pursuit. In one minute, Thor had lifted the kettle off his head and put it on the ground. In another, he was swinging the hammer amongst the giants. And in another, when the lightnings had gone out and the thunder had died in awful echoes amongst the hills, Tyr and Thor were alone in the fields. They went on to Egil, mounted the chariot, and drove the goats swiftly unto Aegir's, where the gods were impatiently waiting for the kettle. There was straightway a mighty brewing of ale. Thor told the story of his adventures in search of the kettle, and the feast went merrily on. I only hope that you enjoyed the telling of this tale, and you save the warmest place by the hearth for the scold. Save travels, and may all your Thor's day be blessed. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hi, this is Jim from Ragnarok and Roll, a scion hero to Ragnarok podcast and the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And I'd just like to say thank you for listening. And may fate always be on your side.